0: My sister, Lori Vallow, murdered her children, Tylee and Jajun, and buried them in a pet cemetery. And we're all trying to make sense of it, so let's talk about it.
1: Welcome back to A Podcast Studio. We're excited to be in the studio with Sean. I'm Grunkle Rex. Next to me is Adam. You know us. Enough about us. This is a special edition here. We have two guests with us. And a lot of times we talk about what's going on at the beginning of a podcast, and it takes a few minutes. None of that today. Those of you that listened to our live last Saturday know that this is just going to be a great experience today. We have two people from the Other Side Academy. I'm not even going to tell you what that is. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. I'm going to let them tell you about the Other Side
0: Academy. And Well, first, let's just talk about you actually met them you know, in a, in a spot where you were like, hey, we should get them on the podcast because of what they told you. So you actually met them before. I did. Six weeks ago,
1: I had a conversation with them, and I thought, our optimists need to hear this because we all have family. We all have stuff going on in our families, and we have family members who have gone through addiction, prison, just the stuff in life. And these two people have a perspective from two sides that is—the perspective, I believe, is unique and will be beneficial from all of us. But let's let them
0: unveil that the way they— Sure. The way they I I can't wait to talk to these two guys. Okay, so introduce yourselves, Robbie and Brian. Who's who?
2: I'm Brian. I uh, went to the Academy for a little over three years.
3: Yeah, my name's Robbie. Uh, I'm a graduate of the Other Side of the Academy. Spent about four years there. And now I work at a place called the Other Side Village for well almost a couple years now.
0: Okay, so when you guys met Rex, what was the circumstance and how did what stories did you tell him? Because he came back as like, Adam, we gotta get these guys on the podcast. And I'm like, Okay, what's going on? So give us a little bit about that.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh... We got a phone call from a friend of ours and mentioned that there was somebody who was interested in a little bit of our cause, might want to take a look around the facility we work at now. And so we really just sat down and started having a conversation. Credit to Rex, he asks a lot of really good questions. And, uh, you know, we like talking about our stories, kind of the things we've been through, the things we hold dear to us. And the conversation just unfolded organically. Love it.
0: So, what, let's talk about that. How did both of you end up there?
2: um i very first started at, at the academy i'll i'll get into that here in a second and but with the village i graduated the academy and went out and got got reintroduced in in into the community and was just working a normal job and things just weren't feeling behind i wasn't feeling full, fulfilled and I just kept kind of going back and, and searching for that 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 missing piece. And I spoke with the executive director at, at the academy, and he, uh, I, I was trying to get on at at the other side of the academy as as a staff member there, and the timing was just off. And uh, I was just that greasy will. I just kept going back in and back in and just making as much noise as I could. And eventually, it hit, and he called me one day and said, you know what? There's nothing for you but the Academy, but there's an opening at the other side of the wall on it. And, and I absolutely jumped on it.
3: What about you, Robbie? Um, so I grew up in a chaotic childhood, uh, started making bad decisions with crime and drugs and alcohol very young. Um, we can delve a little into that as you guys want to know about it, but when life hit rock bottom and I was tired of the lifestyle I was living, I was looking for help and somewhere to reinvent myself. And I had burned all my bridges. Uh, that path led me to the other side academy. When I got there, I had quite the experience there and spent a couple years. It's a two and a half year residential place where you go and get back on your feet, learn how to live a value centered life built around accountability, uh, honesty, integrity, and hard work got my life back together, uh, really liked how I felt when I went about helping other people and trying to spread positivity instead of, you know, what I was spreading. Mm-hmm. And it's a couple more years there. Um, as my stay grew close to the end, um, there's this other thing we're a part of, which taking the same culture and helping people that are chronically homeless. And that's where we both work now. But uh, yeah, the academy is really where the, the process of change really all began.
0: You mentioned the word rock bottom, and we have a lot of optimists that are watching this that at some point in your life, people say you got to hit rock bottom before you actually make a change, because we know in life making changes is very hard. If you're trying to lose 50 pounds, it's very difficult. And sometimes you have to hit rock bottom before you get motivated enough to lose the weight or whatever your circumstances in life you hear that a lot rock bottom what was rock bottom for you like what happened where were you in life where you're like i'm rock bottom i have got to make a a life changer i'm gonna die or whatever it was
3: oh yeah uh my rock bottom was uh you know i started heroin use at 15 uh progressed with that use and the life of crime that it comes with you know firing filing crime stealing things like that and uh You know, I was at the worst I had ever been. I had already racked up a federal indictment, multiple felonies, uh, was starting to do more and more brazen crimes. And right before I went to the Other Side Academy, my life was at a point where I didn't, I knew I wanted to change Had tried a couple of times, wasn't able to get back on my feet and had really thought I wasn't capable of doing it, but I didn't want to die. I I knew I, I was stuck in the pattern of going to bed, wanting to change waking up all of that going out the window and going back on the search for money. So I would go meet my drug dealer. I would go pick up my drugs, go to the hospital, park in the ambulance exit lane and do my drugs there. Uh, because I knew I was going to OD at any second. And when I would wake up and come to, it was another search to go get money. And I was kind of in that revolving door until the people I care about, uh, you know, really sat me down. They had already kicked me out. They had already cut me off financially. And they said, you know what? Uh, you're not going to be a part of our lives. And I was going to go be homeless on the streets. And uh, I had been in and out of homelessness already, but I knew it was getting worse and worse. So rather than, you know, I started looking for help and finally asking for help. And a lot of that was driven by some people that care about me more than my own motivation. I had I didn't think I was capable at that point in time. And I started hearing about, there's this place you can go that's free and all you gotta do is work every day and you change your whole life. I thought, yeah, whatever. Uh, That's not something that exists. I've already tried to change. And I walked into a place where every person I met had a light in their eyes and could tell me a story that I had never heard. Everybody I've, anybody in my neighborhood, uh, you never hear, yeah, I got my life together. I got clean and sober off drugs. I stopped committing crimes. And this is what I do now. I'm a good person. I never had heard that. Uh, The Other Side Academy is a place where everybody has that story. And, and, you know, it wasn't therapists. It wasn't anything like that. They did what I did. And they made the change that I wanted to make. Uh, I also wanted easy at the time. And I didn't know that uh, those two things don't really go together hand in hand. But I learned that later.
0: (laughs) No, you make a great point. You know, we all want things easy um, in life. And the the fact is, learning and growing and all the things that you do in life are always so hard. It's, I mean, at some point you have to sacrifice. At some point you have to suffer. At some point, depending on how, what you want to do. I think in life we've all been there. You mentioned also your family had cut you off. You know, and I had talked about my family cutting me off for other reasons. It wasn't, it was opposite of yours. But, Do you blame your family for cutting you off if you were on drugs? And I mean, was it something that they should have done or could they have handled it different?
3: They should have done it sooner. Uh, My family loves me and is compassionate and wants to see the best in me. When it got to the point where I was stealing from them, where I was using them, where I was lying to them habitually, um, I didn't get to a place where I was going to change until that bridge was done. When my father, the last conversation we had before I went to the academy, was you're not my son anymore. Wow. And it was a final thing. I didn't think that that was something that could be changed. Um, I mean, it is if you're willing to put effort in, but I had to get to a place where I had no money. I had to give my car away. I had to cut ties with everybody that I knew, even the people I thought were healthy for me because they may have been healthy, but they didn't have boundaries like I needed. And uh, I had to put my life on pause and trade everything that I thought I had valuable, you know, in my life. And uh, I, I really didn't have a, a concept of what was valuable and what I needed. I thought that I was in the place I was at because poor me and everybody else is done wrong. And that's why I'm justified to do the things I'm doing. No accountability, no honesty with myself. And uh, yeah, learn that.
1: Robbie, this is so compelling. Tell us about when you were in that mindset doing <laughs> drugs with your family you didn't want to treat your family the way you treated them. How were you treating them and why? You didn't want to treat them that way, but why did you?
3: I was in a place in my life where I was okay with my family uh, suffering a loss or dealing with pain or dealing with uncomfortability so that I didn't have to. You know, I stole from my father. I stole from my mother. I lied to them, and they knew. I thought I was slick, but they knew. Um and I, yeah, I wasn't in a spot where I was willing to do the hard things to change. I didn't want to do those things with it. Like I would go to bed at night, feel genuine remorse, want to change those things. But when you wake up in the morning, um, that all goes out the window and you go to get money and you, once you have money, you get drugs. It's like, you can turn off feeling bad. You can hit an emotional switch where you don't think about anything until you have drugs and money. And then once you get drugs, you get high, and all those emotions are right there waiting for you. And every time you do that, they're waiting for you, and they're heavier, and they're heavier, and they're heavier. And one day, uh, you decide to change something.
1: Robbie, right now, in all of Optimist Town, lights are going on as people <laughs> realize family members, they're realizing that um, those characteristics and family members that have been through something... Yeah. something really bad. they're they're seeing those characteristics maybe for the first time and understanding them. Yeah, such no, a
0: compelling it, story.
3: It breaks my heart now to look at all the times somebody tried to help me and I took advantage of it. but the giving me money and giving me a place and setting an expectation, them knowing I was breaking it, but still being in a spot where they were going to give and one more time and one more chance and Uh-oh. you know, at at some point in time you have to look at patterns of behavior and you have to see some sort of change before you're willing to give another chance. Okay, why? Well, you know, are you really ready? Why is this going to be different than it was the last 20 times? So, Brian, when
0: people come in there um, and you you guys listen to everybody's story, you know a lot of stories of people coming in there. How is it that you hear their story and know that they're going to change, or how do you help them change, or do you think that they're coming in for help and they they expect you to help them
2: change you know oftentimes i think back to my change and the stuff that helped me was people that would give me compassionate accountability and you know they would help me feel heard and seen but also I knew I couldn't get away with the stuff that I was used to getting away with. Like, like what Robbie touched on the lying, the cheating, the, you know, just not, 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 you know, the best person that I knew how to be. So neighbors that come into the other side village, the one thing that I think about when I, when I sit down and I'm, I'm interviewing somebody or, you know, there's one that is just having a bad day and I'm just trying to help them, I just treat them like I would want to be treated. I would just listen to them like, like a friend, not not like a teacher-student type thing, but just like somebody that's that's going to be there for. And then also realize that it's not up to me if a person changes, it's going to be up to them. But I know that if I try my hardest to help somebody change or to be the best person that I can be for somebody and kind of build that that culture with them, then they have the best shot that I know how to give them. And then I just kind of let the relationship try to try to cultivate and do the rest. Do you see um, people that come there
0: and their families have cut them off? Do you ever see people stay cut off or do you see families that mend back together? How do they mend back together if they do? And are people disappointed in themselves if they uh, made their families cut them off because of their actions? Like,
2: what what have you guys seen with that? Um, what we've seen so far is there have been self-amending, but there also has been a lot of hesitation, um, and that's I mean rightfully so. Right? Yeah, rightfully so. I mean, the, our our population. If there's one thing we know how to do, it's it's burn people. And uh, to lose that trust with the people that love you and that want the best for you, and when they finally get to that point, when they finally hit rock bottom and realize there's nothing more they can do, then it's really hard to kind of turn that whole thing around, but it is possible.
3: Yeah, I I see a lot of people uh, more often than not, I see the family relationships get mended. Some people, it's, uh, they've done more damage, and it takes more time to earn that trust. But like I thought, uh, for the longest time until I saw my family, I thought I was going to need to apologize, and I was going to say the right thing that made it all okay, which I had done that a million times, and it was never true. When I finally reached back out and started seeing my family, my father and my mom, who I have great relationships with now, um, when I saw them I never apologized to them. I didn't tell them thank you for being there. Thank you for supporting me through those times and thank you for being strong when I was weak. But I already walked enough walk. I didn't have to tell them I'm sorry because they knew. I showed it with my action. A million other times I said sorry and it was just words. anyway. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about, you know, you guys
0: have been there for a while. Um, How often are you seeing people come into where you are that need help? And is it a variety of things? Is it drugs? Is it uh, crime? Is it more like what? What is it that you guys are helping these people with uh, that are showing up?
3: So uh, at the academy, the population is a little bit more of a hardened criminal. Um, in an, uh, the average student's been arrested 25 times, tried multiple rehabs. And, uh, so the average person coming in there is, you know, that's the demographic. If you need medication, uh, you can there's a certain amount of medication, but they're, they're not a clinical facility, the village, the same beliefs and core values, um, except for different population, people that are chronically homeless, people who do struggle with mental illness or might need the support of medication. So. Very similar approaches, uh, the academy, a little bit more of a stern hand and the village, a little bit more of a supporting hand, but you see everything under the sun. There's no two people that are alike, a lot of similarities, but lots of grime, you know, a lot of addiction, a lot of, uh, mental illness, a lot of just having nobody there and being alone. Really some really broken, sad, lonely individuals who don't have a mean bone in their body, but they don't have a boundary to create a healthy life either. Uh, so, it's a life skills academy.
0: Do you think when you're seeing when you're seeing these uh, people that come in that you guys are helping, um, when it comes to the people they hang out with? Because I've heard this by so many people. It's like you are who you hang out with, and I that's always stuck in my mind because I like a lot of different people. Like I have friends that don't like the friends that I have. And so we separate ourselves like if I'm gonna do something with this friend, this friend doesn't want to come along. But you know, with this whole thing of, you know, trying to hang out with people that are good for you yet or not good for you, do you see that a lot with the people that come in? Are these people that are by themselves, did all this by themselves, or are they hanging out with people that maybe it, it, they shouldn't be, or 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 do they continue to hang out with people, or do they lose friendships and all that?
2: You know, that's that's also kind of a, a mixture. There's, I've I've seen a little bit of both, you know, and especially with with growing up at at, at the academy, there's um, really there's so much of both. Uh, people that find themselves in a situation. Uh, of, of being homeless that uh, have got there by the choices that they've made. There's others that have gotten there by hanging out with the wrong group of, of people that have slowly started down this path of lying, cheating, manipulating, maybe doing drugs, maybe abusing, or whatever the case may be. So it's just a, a huge yeah.
3: mixing pot of, of both. I think the one common thread is it is very rare that they hang out with people that can have an honest conversation about what's happening in their life where they're not pulling punches. So it tends to be the extreme examples of enablers who have the biggest hearts in the world and want to support their their person through this hard time that really just ends up giving them a reason to stay stuck because they never hit rock bottom because they can always get 20 bucks for mom. Mm-hmm. Or it's the other end of the Only people they're around are people that they probably very rarely have an honest conversation. They around the streets together, they get high, they're friends because it's situational and they both benefit from the relationship. But we try to be the same person in every room. So if Brian upsets me and I go about my day and he does something, we have a conversation in that moment. And it might not always be the best, but I never have to walk around thinking, oh man, I wonder what Brian thinks. You You never have to wonder... Oh, are people in the other room talking bad about me because really I upset them? And the world's full of that right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's what runs rampant. Yeah. We believe in 200% accountability, 100% accountable for me, 100% accountable for Brian. if he's falling short and I don't do my part to support him and hold him accountable, then we fail together. We also succeed together, which is fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Robbie, you've talked about enablers a couple of times. Let me ask a direct question that's going through the mind of a lot of the optimists that are listening that have family members. Because when I was there, you talked about family members that were enablers. What general advice would you give to family members about enabling?
3: Um, I would say to set very clear expectations. Set very clear expectations and stick with them. And you know, everybody is pretty good at setting a hard boundary or a hard rule or something that they're gonna do. But when it comes time to look the person you love in their eyes and hold them accountable to that expectation you set, there's it, there tends to be a lot of one more chances. My parents have the biggest parts in the world and it's hard to take a look at yourself and say, you know, I love this person and I care about them. But sometimes letting real world consequences take place is the hardest thing I can only imagine what it's like to be a mom going through what I put her through actually I know what it's like now not from lived experience but I've talked to her but it's it's hard to not support somebody in active addiction it's hard to let somebody in active addiction live in your home No they're still using and there's still things coming up missing and they're not doing their part to get a job and, and hold them accountable and say hey I've let you live here for a few months, and this is what you were supposed to do. You haven't done it. You have 30 days to move out. That's what I needed to change. I love it. So, you guys are doing something there where you're helping
0: people in your community. Um, we feel like on our podcast that we like to be open and we try to help people uh, in our community just by talking about just things. I think talking about your problems sometimes to people. Will help you. Um, and you'd mentioned, you know people that come there ha- at some point have to change. And we mentioned change being the hardest thing. I'll ask both of you the question. you can both answer this. What physical or mental things do you see people there that they actually do to help them change? Because changing your personality, changing your your mindset, changing your spirit, your your spirituality, or whatever it is, that you want to change to be a better person, what what goes into
2: that? Well there's you know, there's there's people that change the their music that that they listen to. There's um people that also you know lean into discomfort. They put themselves in situations that are going to be uncomfortable for them and try to learn from them and feel that discomfort, sit in that, and then grow, try, try to learn how to grow from that instead of shy away from that or, um, hide from it. And there's also people that just want to change certain clothes that they wear. And it's, and it all kind of just helps them build into the person that that they want to be. but it, it, it all really starts with leaning into discomfort.
3: Yeah. Uh, I love that you touched on talking about things. That was the first step of change for me because when I was in that lifestyle, there was not one relationship that I could sit down and be 100% honest about everything with. And when I could sit down and spill it out to somebody else, this is what's going on, I had to take an honest look with myself about it. And then all of a sudden I had an ally in this battle. So it started for me with a talkie and talking about everything and anything nothing's dumb no emotions wrong you don't have to explain yourself you're gonna feel some feelings you're going through some hard things and then the next step of it was realizing that that little voice i had in my head that told me to go do the thing i wanted to do because it's what i wanted but uh it was at somebody else's expense is uh the worst voice i ever listened to so i was never happier than when I get off work and I want to go sit on my couch Friday and be lazy. But I know there's somebody in my neighborhood who I haven't sat down and said, Hey Matt, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? And if you can push yourself in those little moments, it builds up to changing your life. Everybody thinks one epiphany thing comes and it's the change of life. That big thing happened. It's not. It's a whole bunch of little tiny things. Doing your own dish, putting your dish away, having a conversation, vulnerable about things. Uh, it's a bunch of little things that adds up.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned uh, that voice that you heard in your head. And we, we hear Rex talk about this a lot in his in his book that came out, um, you know, your conscience and what are you listening to and how do you understand what that voice is? And apparently a lot of people get that voice confused, Rex. Why is that?
1: I don't know that they get it confused. I believe they when you sit down and look back on it and you're only talking to yourself, you know which voice that is. You know that's a voice that's causing you to be a higher self than you are or a lower self. I don't I don't know that there's that much confusion when you're just talking with yourself.
0: Um yeah, I, I, I get that when you're when you're you're thinking about, you know, you, you said you go with your ego, what you want at that time, your lust, your whatever it is. You you know, we all are guilty of, you know, wanting things, you know, like that. But like we said, discipline and being in uncomfortable situations, there is a guy and this may help our 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 um, optimist out there uh, that I was listening to a podcast. And this guy was he's a, he's a, a guru with people and helping them change and he his approach is what you guys said doing things that are uncomfortable a lot of times so in the morning he gets up and he takes a freezing cold shower why because it's uncomfortable and then he grabs some weights and he walks to work wherever he goes and he carries these dumbbells with him why because it's uncomfortable. And then he goes to the airport with an extra luggage to drag around just physical things he does uncomfortably. So when life does hit him in the face with different stuff, he's already, he's already been uncomfortable that it's not that uncomfortable and it helps him learn and grow. Kind of like what you guys are saying is, as being uncomfortable will help you change and grow.
2: Yeah. You know, it kind of just reinforces that it's, it's okay to be, a, to. it's okay to not be okay. And, you know, to kind of go backwards a little bit, I really love what you said about, um, listening to that, that voice in your head. And I, I just have to say it kind of put, put me in a place where I kind of just realized that I think it's people often tend to listen to the voice in their head and, and not their gut. And The one thing that I always try to help people with and the one thing that I I got help with was knowing the difference between the two and knowing that nine out of 10 times your gut will never, never tell you the wrong thing. Yeah, Rex and I talk about our gut feeling and common
0: sense and things that make sense to us. We we usually go with that, right? Yeah. also, you guys were talking uh, earlier, we were talking about, you mentioned, uh, Brian, you mentioned music we, it, and Robbie, you mentioned little things when it comes to changing, because I'm all about changing, growing, developing, being a better person. How do I, how do I overcome this hurdle? How do I, so uh, there's so many different things, like you said, little things at a time. So people are listening, op- optimists are listening about this, little things in your life that you can, you know, tackle can build it one day, maybe you do it for a year straight or whatever it is, that one day you're a different person than you were a year ago by doing all these little things. And they just keep building and building and building. I think we lost them. Yeah. <laughs> We go. We guys back. Okay. okay. Sorry. I thought we lost. I thought I threw something off. <laughs> I just really feel like you know, there's, there's definitely, there's definitely okay, well, something there.
2: Yeah. Um. For you know, you want a bit. Uh, I only heard like the first little bit of the question. Oh. Well, just changing like we've talked
0: about music. You talked about music, and and uh, and Robbie talked about little things and change. You know, we always we at Rex and I not too long ago we were talking to a comedian named uh, Craig Shoemaker, and he's all about comedy, and comedy helps people change, and your endorphins go up, and you, the happier you, I think the happier that you feel, the easier it is to change, and we're all looking for an easy way out,
3: right? Service to others the easiest way to feel happy consistently yep. and sustainably. I love that. Yep.
1: And I, there, there's, yeah. true, there's definitely truth to that. I wish everyone could go through the academy there and see the values there on the wall and talk to people. So that's why I want to do more. I'm hoping we can come up, do a live session, let people ask the questions that hopefully they're going to be asking in the comments the next few days. So when we do a live session here, we can address some of them. But I'm anxious to get back together with you two, maybe some other people up there at the Academy. I'd like, uh, as I mentioned before, Joseph Grinney to uh, maybe share his story with us. So not the last time, we hope, that we're going to be with you, but thank you for sharing something so intimately personal as your stories. Um, it's it's just uh, I can't wait to hear the reaction from our optimists. I think it's so beneficial for all of us to hear your. Common sense, straightforward approach to very, very difficult parts of life.
0: All right, guys. Hey, thank you guys for coming on with us. and We will have you back on for sure. It was a pleasure. All right. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you for watching. Uh, we will see you next time on Silver Linings podcast. This has been Tiley and JJ's Silver Linings Podcast. Your input is helping us make sense of this. We encourage your comments on our Facebook page or email Tiley and JJ Silver Linings at gmail.com. This has been a production from a podcast studio.